0: If you're able, please open to the book of Jude. We're going to be looking at verse 8 this morning as we continue in this brief but powerful book. title of today's message is Illustration to Accusation, Part 1. We had three parts of judgment on the ungodly as Jude was giving the illustrations, as he saw fit to disclose to the church the sure destruction that would come upon the false teachers who had crept into the church, and now he is moving from those illustrations to a frontal attack, an accusation on these very teachers who have crept in. Topics for today's sermon include spiritual warfare. This is an ongoing theme in this book, spiritual discernment on behalf of the church and sanctification on behalf of the church. I think Jude's general objective for this message is for us to heed the warning so that we may not be shaken by false teachers, led astray by false doctrine, or be hindered in our spiritual growth. All of this is accomplished by grace through faith, amen, as we seek to honor our Lord by guarding the deposit of truth, the scriptures, in our hearts and in our minds. The thesis for today's message is something like this. As Jude begins his direct assault on those who have crept into the church unaware, his first hearers needed to hear and heed his warning. Likewise, we must be on guard, not only against false teachers in our own day and the wicked works that follow them, But we must also be on guard against our temptation to do such things as they, lest we slip and fall. The general outline for today's message is three in part. Part number one, counterfeit men. Part number two, counterfeit authority. And part number three will be counterfeit fruit. Counterfeit men, counterfeit authority, counterfeit fruit. Again, as I've said before, the blessing of going through a short book like Jude is that we can read a large section to give us context, so let's begin reading in verse 1 as we anticipate verse 8 this morning. Read with me. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. And angels who did not keep their own dominion but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. And here's our verse. Yet, in the same way, these men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray and ask for his help. God in heaven, we ask that you would attend your word now by your spirit, that we would all grow Be encouraged, be warned, and give thanks for what your son Jesus Christ has done to protect us from such who have crept into the church. Help us now by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Abraham had Isaac, Isaac he had Jacob, and Jacob he had Judah and his kin. Now I think I have the attention of some of the younger ones, maybe some of the adults by saying that but simply put as we read this morning in our call to worship actually in our prayer that followed our God is often called the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob but Jacob had a twin brother do you remember his name Esau that's right Esau was a strong man Esau was a rough man Esau was a hairy man and one day As Isaac was old and his eyes grew dim, he asked his son Esau to bring him a blessing. To go out into the field and bring him some wild game so that it could be prepared and maybe his favorite dish could be cooked. Maybe something akin to what we would call a last meal, although we don't know if that was Isaac's last meal. He certainly desired it and asked his son Esau to bless him with it so that he, Isaac, could give him the family blessing that attended all the firstborns. Well, then enter Isaac's wife and his other son, Jacob. And there was a scheme that was plotted by Rebekah. And she wanted Jacob to get the blessing instead of Esau. We may remember the story. This mother said to her son, do exactly as I say. And to Jacob's credit, remember he originally didn't want to do it, which is why his mother said, no, do exactly as I say. Reminds, of, reminds us of another mother who said to some, do exactly as he says. That would be our, the mother of our Lord Jesus, Mary, saying to the servants at the wedding feast in Canaan to do as exactly as Jesus said. We have a, revol- a reversal of motherhood even in that story. But ironically... We have Jacob being a deceiver. We know from later revelation that God loved Jacob and Esau he hated. What do we take away from that? That Jacob was elect. Jacob was the child of God. Jacob was in the faith. Esau, his brother, was not. And yet, and yet, brothers and sisters, we see the elect. We see Jacob doing that which he should not have done, bringing food to his father Isaac, in the name of his brother Esau. And Isaac giving him the blessing. Well, God has his elect in the world, amen? And they ought to reflect his glory and holy living. But there are also counterfeits. Ironically, Jacob was the counterfeit in this story. But there are counterfeits in this world, who, if we are not wise, will lead us into pathways of sin. We need discernment, and in the midst of this spiritual warfare and through the word of God, attended by the Spirit of God, we will not only walk in the paths of peace, but will be sanctified by the work of the same Spirit who is conforming us who believe this morning here into the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. With this as an introduction, let us use this as a springboard into today's message. And let us consider the first point, these counterfeit men in verse 8a. Look with me. Jude says, yet in the same way, these men. Well, the first thing we want to recognize is that Jude is saying, yet in the same way. In the same way as what? in the same way as as the illustrations that he previously gave. Remember, the children in the wilderness, the angels who sinned against God, and those of Sodom and Gomorrah. There is a strong connection between these men who have crept into the church, these false teachers, and those three examples. But who are these men? Who are these men that Jude says Well, the preceding context again gives us some details all in one verse. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. There are certain persons who've crept in unnoticed, they're marked out for condemnation. Jude goes on to say they're ungodly persons. And they deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. All in one verse, we get a lot of descriptors about who these men are. These are plainly false teachers and false prophets in the church. He said, not like the Apostle John, they went out from us to show they were never truly of us. Yet these men could eventually go out. But as Jude is writing, these are men currently in the church. They have crept in unnoticed. We talked about in previous messages how our Lord had prophesied that these men would come. If a man goes through the door, he is of the sheep. But if he climbs in another way, he is a robber and a thief. But Jude goes on to say about these men that, again, in the same way in the same way they are committing sins that were in those illustrations. Judas telling us that there is indeed an intimate connection between the three illustrations he gave in these men who were in the church. Israel in the wilderness, angels who sinned in Genesis 6, and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities. Now one of our practices has been continually to go to Scripture, to interpret Scripture. Pastor Perkins reminded us of that this morning when we looked at the book of Numbers, going to the book of Corinthians. But we want to go to Second Peter. Because remember, Second Peter has a parallel passage to all of these things. And so if you're able, turn to Second Peter. Because we learn a little bit more. Reading of the same thing from a different author. Human, that is. But the same divine author. And I'm going to read a lengthy section out of Second Peter to remind us of what he has said. Chapter 2 in 2 Peter. But false prophets also arose among the people. This is what Jude is saying. They have crept in unaware. Just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. It's exactly what Jude is saying about these false teachers who deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. And that they're bringing swift destruction upon themselves. This is what Jude is saying. Many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. Did you catch that? Many will follow them. This is the warning that Jude has for us this morning. This is why I said this is a message about not only spiritual warfare, but discernment. And Lord willing, sanctification through that spiritual warfare and discernment that he gives us. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Just as God judged those children of Israel in the wilderness who did not believe, just as he judged those angels in Genesis 6 who sinned, who are kept in chains in Tartarus, do you remember that? Just as the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was on clear display, Yes, the destruction of these false teachers is sure as well. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness, reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, and if if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter... These false teachers in the church should have heeded these examples. He will destroy them as well. He will destroy them as well. Peter goes on to say in verse 10, that He will especially judge those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. That is what Jude is saying this morning. That is what he is saying this morning. In other words, brothers and sisters, there is nothing new under the sun. As written in the book of Ecclesiastes, that which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. We have false teachers in the church today. We have those who are teaching a counterfeit Christ, a counterfeit gospel, a counterfeit ethic, and we need to be on guard Because oftentimes these same false teachers are also leading many of the godly ones, the saints, astray. You might say, how is that possible? How could these men lead so many of the elect astray, even if for a season? And it's because they claim a counterfeit authority. And that counterfeit authority is often believed by those in the church. And that brings us to part two of our message today about these men who have crept in. They have a counterfeit authority. They're not just counterfeit teachers. They also bring with them a counterfeit authority, which gives to many the reason to give them an ear. Read with me. Verse 8b. Also by dreaming. Also by dreaming. Yet in the same way these men also by dreaming. What does Jude mean when he says these men, by dreaming, proceed in wickedness? Well, a literal Greek translation of this verse would sound something like this. Likewise, yet also these dreaming ones, the flesh indeed, defile. The difficulty is that the Greek word used here, like many others, is determined by its usage. So what does Jude mean when he says... That they're dreaming. These are the dreaming ones. What, what does that mean? Well, the definition for the word is something you might not be surprised with. It means to dream while asleep. Or it means to daydream. Or it means to see a vision. To see a vision. Listen to what John Calvin says. It is then a metaphorical mode of speaking by which he intimates that they were so dull and stupid as to give up themselves without any shame to every kind of baseness. So John Calvin looks at this and says, this dreaming is metaphorical. It's metaphorical. That they were dull. Living in a dream world. They were stupid giving up themselves without any shame to every kind of baseness. Well, Matthew Poole then I think extends this a little further. He agrees with Calvin, but he broadens the usage covering, I think, the first two options, to dream while asleep and also to daydream. Listen to what he says. They dreamed of what they loved and acted over that filthiness in their sleep. If you have a King James translation, you may notice it says filthy dreamers kind of injecting the context that they think into the translation, to which they were so much addicted when awake, a daydreaming of sorts. Or, and here he's going to go to Calvin, metaphorically, and so they are called dreamers, as having the sense of their minds overcome and laid asleep by their sensual pleasures, or being like men in a dream, deluded by their absurd, though pleasing, imaginations what both of these theological giants see is dreaming as chiefly communicating that these false teachers are in some way living in an imaginary world. And isn't that the case? With all of us in our sin, we live in a world that we have constructed in our own minds. Think about the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about the sins of the angels which we talked about. Think about those in the wilderness, right? We were better back in Egypt. Not recognizing the world they were living in was a world that God has created, a providence that they stand in. God Almighty is the one who brought them out of Egypt. And yet in their imaginary world, Egypt looked better. But there is still one usage we haven't talked about, which I think deserves consideration and is actually most convincing to me. Remember, the word has a semantic range of to dream while asleep, to daydream. Remember the third one? To see visions. To see visions. Could this be related to the persuasion and influence that they may have had in the local church? This, I believe, is the foundation of their erroneous claim to authority. Their counterfeit claim to authority. And I believe it was prophesied, as Jude would say, long beforehand. If you're able, turn to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. Here in my Bible, this section has a title given it to it by the um, publisher, called The Denunciation of the False Prophets. And although it would be very helpful to read Jeremiah 23, verse 9 through 40, I want to just hone in on verses 12 through 14 to start. And I want you to think about the context of Jude. I want you to think about what Peter is saying. And I want you to think about the context of the local church 2,000 years ago. And yet this was written long beforehand, long before Pentecost long before the coming of our Lord in the flesh. This was about Israel. This was about the congregation in the Old Covenant. Listen to what the Lord says about false teachers who had crept into the church back then. Starting in verse 12. They will be driven away into the gloom and fall down in it, for I will bring calamity upon them. The year of their punishment, declares the Lord. Moreover, among the prophets of Samaria I saw an offensive thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. Also among the prophets of Jerusalem I have seen a horrible thing, the committing of adultery and walking in falsehood, and they strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one has turned back from wickedness. All of them have become to me like Sodom and the inhabitants of Gomorrah. Do you see the connection? Even Sodom and Gomorrah is mentioned. The same reference that Jude gives, brothers and sisters, that which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. But I want you to look specifically now at verse 25. Bring your finger down, look at verse 25. What does it say about these false teachers, these false prophets who had come into the church? I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy falsely in my name. What do they say? I had a dream. I had a dream. False claims to authority. Could it be that these false teachers in the church in Jude's day were saying that they got their doctrine, they got their ethics, they got their false ideas from God himself, and they had a dream. It's very convincing to me. What can we positively say about this type of dreaming, though? Speaking negatively, it was not righteous. This type of dreaming was not righteous. Again, negatively, it was not proper according to calling. This parallels the three illustrations, remember? All those illustrations dealt with those who had a calling. The Israelites in the wilderness had a calling as God's people. They rejected it. The angels in Genesis 6 had a calling as God's messengers to deliver news of righteousness. They rejected it those in Sodom and Gomorrah, men had a calling. They rejected it to lust after other men. But also, speaking negatively, it was, wasn't proper to the real world. Rather, these men were in some way or another living in an imaginary world. In context, Jude is using this word in connection with the wrong kind of dreaming. Now, you might say, clear enough. Be on guard against false teachers in the church. Contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Keep the word of God before you. Test all things with scripture. Use discernment. Ask for discernment. Consider what God has been doing through church history with the elect, with the church. But it goes beyond that, remember? This also has to do with our sanctification. Because in context, Jude is using this word dreaming in connection with the wrong kind of dreaming. And yes, although I believe it strongly denotes or connotes false prophecies in the church, I do think Calvin and Poole are right as well. And that the idea of daydreaming or the idea of being led astray by our own passions could also be in view. This hoping, this desiring, this dreaming, listen, brothers and sisters, opposes God's kingdom. And then expects personal aspirations to be granted by him. Isn't that odd? So oftentimes we follow our passions and then expect the Lord to bless it. This is the part of the message that I believe deals with sanctification. Remember the words of our Lord in Matthew 6, 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It can be a difficult providence for us to consider what we ought to do with our lives. It could be a difficult providence Because, again, it's not always black and white. It's often gray. And so often we can follow our own desires, we can follow our own inclinations, our own counsel, without first seeking His kingdom and His righteousness. Brothers and sisters, listen to the words of our Lord. If you seek His kingdom and His righteousness, all these things will be added to you. What does the Lord desire? What does the Lord want from you? The Apostle Paul says it's your sanctification. And if you are being sanctified by the word, he will give you the desires of your heart because your desires will be what he desires. Remember, when we pray, we don't try to change the will of God We are asking God to change our wills to conform to His. Seek first His kingdom and all His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I beg you, brothers and sisters, do not live in a dream world. Do not be like the false prophets who had crept into the church. Rather, seek first God's kingdom and contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. And you will not bear bad fruit. You will bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The exact opposite of the fruit of these false teachers. And that's where we turn next. Look with me. They defile the flesh. They reject authority. And revile angelic majesties. This is a cascading depravity that seeks through its own desires to be loosed from the righteous law of God, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments that condemns their very actions. The Lord has given us a blessing. What has he given us? He's given us his law on our hearts. That goes for every image bearer of God. The added blessing that we have as as his children is that we not only have his law, but we desire to keep it. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. But these men, knowing that their actions are wrong because God has written his law in their hearts, they seek to suppress that truth. They seek any authority that stands over them to be destroyed. This is a cascading depravity, enslaved by its own desires to be loosed from the righteous law of God, the moral law written on their hearts that condemns their very actions. If you understand this, it starts to make sense why these false teachers would defile the flesh, why they would reject authority and revile angelic majesties. Again, Calvin says, these two things are nearly always connected, That they who abandon themselves to iniquity do also wish to abolish all order. It makes sense. If you know you're living a life against a law, what do you want to do? Abolish that law. Why? So you can continue unabashed in your lawlessness. This is truly antinomianism. Those who hate the law the exact opposite of what our Lord said believers would do. They would obey him because they love him. Do you seek to obey the Lord or do you seek to abolish his law? John Gill says, they walk after the dictates of corrupt nature. Like the sodomites, they defile the flesh. Like the fallen angels, they despise dominion. And like the Israelites in the wilderness, they revile dignities. For it was especially by opposing the power given to Moses that the Israelites manifested their unbelief. What's John Gill recognizing? Again, that the three illustrations that Jude gave directly connect to these false teachers. This is why he gave those illustrations. This is why we're going from illustration to accusation. Jude is now pulling back the veil on these false teachers and saying, This is why I'm writing you the letter I'm writing now. Remember, at first I wanted to write to you about our common salvation, but now I am writing for you to contend once and for all for the faith that was delivered to the saints. Now, although this is applicable to those outside the church, it is also important to recognize that this is a warning to those who gather with the church. That's who Jude is writing to, the church. The licentiousness that was common outside the church in the first century tempted the church. Don't have a picture in your mind that the early church was not like you. Or worse, that you're better than the early church. That you don't struggle with the same passions. That you don't struggle with the same temptations. The licentiousness that was common outside the church in the first century tempted the church. And the licentiousness outside the church today tempts the church in much the same way. Amen? We read 2 Peter because, again, it's a parallel passage. I want you to go back there. If you're able or just remember in your minds what we read, I'm going to start reading in verse 7 because Peter then talks about righteous Lot. And we talked about him the last time we met. And this is a promise to you as much as it was a promise to Lot. Verse 7 of 2 Peter chapter 2 starts out by saying, If he rescued righteous Lot... Oppressed, oppressed by the sensual conducts of unprincipled men, for by which he saw and heard that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Listen. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from what? Temptation. Temptation. Oh, brothers and sisters, please don't sit here thinking that you're not tempted. And those of us who have the Holy Spirit recognize that that is an understatement. We are all tempted. You know what's amazing about that? Our Lord was tempted in every way such as us, yet without sin. Praise be to God. There is nothing new under the sun. What Jude is doing in this one verse is beginning his discourse against these false teachers. And brothers and sisters, we must be on guard against false teachers in the church today. We must be on guard against the false teachers who were in the church then, among among which we still have their writings. There are still men who are being tempted today by ancient heresies, by Arianism, by Apollinarianism. By all sorts of heresies, which are then recycled today, time and time again, given different names, we need to be on guard against that. But we also need to be on guard against temptation, and we need to ask the Lord to help us. we need to remember the words of William Ames. Now, we shall make a progress in sanctification if we exercise ourselves daily to a more perfect denying of sin and of the world and of ourselves to a more earnest and serious seeking of God and his kingdom. Also, if we have our end always in our eyes, if we keep our hearts with all diligence, if we watch to the holy use of all those means which make to sanctification and join earnest prayer with them. Brothers and sisters, one of those means is us meeting here this morning. Let us not forsake the gathering together of the saints. Let us not forsake prayer. Let us not forsake reading the scriptures so that we can contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints, that we may may be protected, that we may grow in our love for our Savior who was tempted in every way like us and yet without sin. It is His record that is imputed to your account when you believe in Him. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, And believe in your hearts that God has raised him from the dead. And you will be what? Saved. Children, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your hearts that God has raised him from the dead. And it's a promise you will be saved. Such as everyone here who has done those two things. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for this word this morning. May it be knit to our hearts for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.